0: You are listening to the Premier Podcast Network.
1: Yo, maniacs! Hulk Hogan here, the greatest of all time, and right now you're listening to my rap on the After Chat. And the hosts are, without a doubt, the two of my maniacs, Josh Chernoff and my main man, Bill After. So, what you gonna do? With the After Chat gets wild on you, brother!
2: Welcome, everybody, to the very first episode of the After Chat. I'm your host, Josh Chernoff, and I am joined by the most recognizable pro wrestling journalist, photographer, all-around good guy, uh, the man responsible for the images that are stuck in your mind from your your childhood, maybe your teens, maybe you were older. It's not for me to judge. Ladies and gentlemen, wonderful Willie himself, Bill Apter.
3: So you say wonderful Willie himself. I do. That, of course, beckons beckons me to go into my wonderful Willie voice. Which oh, I apologize, is, folks. No, no, it's a, it's a, it's a ripoff of uh, D- Dusty Rhodes' voice. With wonderful Willie is thrilled to be here, if you will, on the after chat.
2: And apparently even if you won't. Now, we are <laughs> excited for this first episode. We know you guys are excited, too. Uh, we've got wait one minute, heck of a wait guest. A minute, wait a that? minute.
3: People know who I am, okay? But they're not sure who you are. There may be some people. Of course, listening, who know who you are. So you are, basically, you are the Conrad to my me being like Bruce Pritchard. Okay, oh, those are some so, pretty big right? shoes to fill. But now, I now appreciate back that. in, I don't know what size shoes he wears. We'll find that out at uh, uh, in Chicago. Yeah, I'll, at let, I'll let you find yes, that out. We will do that. So what I'd like to do, back in the days of the magazines, when you talked about the images that I took, the photographs that were in. Uh, so many wrestling magazines yes. in my mind and the minds of the fans. We had a column in Inside Wrestling Magazine called Capsule Profile, and we do a line on a guy's career and then have like three dots and then the next line and three dots. It was all in print. So I want to do a capsule profile, a short capsule profile, on who is Josh So Says Chernoff. Okay, you go for this?
2: Yeah, you. Want me to, this is my favorite topic. This is your
3: capsule profile. Yeah. All right. Okay. So here we go. Five, four, three, two, action.
2: I have been in the professional wrestling business for almost 20 years. Dot, dot, dot. I am a former professional wrestler. Dot, dot, dot. I wrestled for OVW. Dot, dot, dot. I ran my own promotion. I was the youngest uh, professional wrestling promoter in Pennsylvania history. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, I started running promotions when I was 15 years old, which dot, the state dot, dot. frowned upon. Uh, I am also an actor. And most recently have been, uh, if I can pat myself on the back here, have, have been nominated uh, for an IAWTV TV best male performance in a comedy award. Dot,
3: dot, dot. Yeah. yeah. I think that, I think we're going to so, put an so exclamation point Shernoff, in. So says Josh Shurnoff. And I can and be found
2: at, so says Shurnoff on Twitter.
3: Yeah, and Josh and I have known each other since, how old were you when I moved into the neighborhood in Pennsylvania? I was nine years old. Nine years old. So we go back all the way to, you want to say how old you are now? Why don't we say 15 years? Okay, 15. We've known, <laughs> we've known each other. Do the math, folks. We've done known for each a other couple 15 A couple years, of decades plus. Yeah, and we've, all, we've always talked wrestling. We've always... Uh, we used to watch the pay-per-views together when he was a kid on my big, uh, what was those, projection TV down, yeah. down in my basement. And uh, I was the commissioner of your wrestling federation when yes, you, were you were 15 years old.
2: No, you were a commissioner later on, when we, uh, once we were legitimate, once I had a promoter's license. Right, that's yes. right.
3: So I was yeah. uh, the line I used for your federation also when I was the commissioner for WXW, mm-hmm. uh, the Samoans promotion, was, I'm the commish and I do what I wish. So, on this show, hopefully I can do what I wish, uh, but you're, you're the driver. You're hosting here. So, uh, what's up first on the, well, let's, what's up first here on the menu? Uh, first on the menu is, uh, well, why don't I call a quick spot and we'll uh, throw
2: a headlock on headlines. All right, Bill. Uh, unfortunately, our top headline is, uh, is a loss to the wrestling world yeah. this week. Uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart passed away this past Monday morning
3: at the age of 63. He was a big guy who was so intimidating in the ring. I mean, he looked and acted almost like a, uh, a UFC fighter. He was so tough. He really was. But underneath that, he was one of the nicest wrestlers I've ever met, one of the nicest people I've ever met. He had done charity work that nobody knew about, really, because he was a bad guy, and he couldn't be, mm-hmm. you know, oh, look, he was with kids, and he was doing this and all that. It was away from his uh, wrestling character, and back in those days, you know, you didn't do those kind of things. You didn't break kayfabe that way. You were always in character, but he was, and I hate to use, well, I use this word a lot, but he was a sweetheart of a guy. He really was, and the teaming of Bret Hart, And Jim the Anvil, Nightheart. It's
2: my favorite favorite team of all time.
3: Really, the foundation. What was your your favorite match?
2: My favorite match with them, I would have to say. was Summerslam when they won the tag team titles against Demolition? Yeah,
3: yeah. that
2: would probably be my favorite Hart Foundation match. Uh, and you know, you have to put it into the context of my being a kid. I'm sure there were many more matches I've even oh, seen the series with, against the, British with the, Bulldogs. the British Bulldogs. I was just wow. going to say, um, yeah. but for me, as a fan and as a kid, uh, the age I was at that point in time that was watching them win, you know, as a face team at that point, because some of their previous runs had been as a as as a heel team, as you mentioned before, so yeah. for me to see them as a face, and, and uh, I was I was all about that. I, yeah. I loved it, and uh, yeah, I, I you know, in 1997, I was a big fan of the Hart Foundation stable. That was one of my favorite yeah, times in wrestling as well.
3: Uh, some of his happiest days was seeing the successful career of his daughter Natty. Yeah, Neidhart. Uh, in the w w e what she's made of herself, coming from that family, how proud he was of her, and I looked at some of the things that she tweeted mm-hmm. and uh it's heartbreaking because she loved her father so very much. The last time I saw him was up at uh the old bud Carson's wrestling world right uh, and there's an interview on uh youtube on one wrestling video dot com if you go there where I did an interview with uh uh, Jim Nighthart and his uh, lovely wife, and he was so wonderfully sarcastic to <laughs> me. He had a very sarcastic sense of humor, but uh, yeah, an announcement we hate to make. Yeah. Jim what the you, Anvil Nighthart. Uh, to, to
2: end that on a positive note, though, what 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 do you remember? What do you think you'll remember most uh, about Jim the Anvil Nighthart?
3: Oh, as I was just saying, his sarcasm when I knew him, uh, the personal side of him, and again in the ring, one of the toughest legit tough guys that i've ever seen
2: for me it would be his goatee and his laugh oh yeah yeah definitely yeah Yeah, that goatee well you know what uh our condolences of course to his family and and uh i think the whole wrestling world is uh taking that one pretty tough and uh we just send our best to everybody
3: this next headline that you have down here i cannot wait to talk about Saturday, April 6, 2019.
2: Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling combine to do a show at Madison Square Garden. Bill, you you're you're very familiar with oh, the Garden.
3: My goodness. I've been I don't know how many people know about this, but if you are under the age of 13 years old way back when in New York State, you were not allowed, you were not permitted to get into a wrestling show. They thought it was too dangerous because of riots, etc. So when I turned 13, my father, Nathan Apter, and I went to the garden every month. And other than one show that was promoted by a promoter named Jack Pfeffer, who's a great character, by the way, spoke like this. Today, we're going to be at Madison Square Garden's yeah, he was a, he was a, that's what he sounded like. Uh, and he managed a guy named uh, Argentina Zuma. But he had a, one show there. And the rest of the shows, every month, were promoted by Vince McMahon Sr. And his father, Jess McMahon, promoted uh, boxing shows at Madison Square Garden. The
2: uh, the the show that you're talking about was November fourteenth, 1960. Yeah. So this— I was 15 years old. This will be the first— Show at Madison Square Garden, first professional wrestling event uh, promoted by somebody other than a McMahon. Uh, since a minute, November fourteenth,
3: nineteen sixty. Wait a minute! I was at that show when I was fifteen years old. Yeah. Bruno Sammartino, young Bruno Sammartino, the Italian strongman, took on my favorite wrestler back then, Antonino Rocca, and he had he wrestled barefoot and he uh, insured his legs by Lord uh, Lords of London. For Lloyd's <laughs> of London, not Lords, the Lloyd's of London for a hundred thousand dollars, and I asked my parents if I could get my legs insured for that. Wow. So that's the effect. Wonder what the that, payout that, would be on that. I don't know, but that's the effect that little promotion Jack Pfeffer ran there. Yeah. But after that, of course, it was all uh, uh, Vince McMahon senior. Yeah. So and, and, I'm and this shocked. Is
2: a, this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I'm. I don't know that uh, younger fans quite grasp how huge this is. He had a
3: headlock. The McMahons had a headlock on
2: Madison Square Garden. They did. They did for a very long time. And I think that, you know, uh, I'd have to look at that and, and say, as most people are saying, that the WWE's relationship with the Barclays Center uh, is what kind of sparked this. Uh, maybe opened the door for Ring of Honor in New Japan to walk in.
3: But the tradition of the garden. If you asked any fan in the world, what is the, the, uh, the capital of the wrestling world? What arena is the arena that's holy ground? Mm-hmm. And they're going to say Madison Square Garden. So no one has been able to break into this holy ground. And I still find that totally unbelievable. I can't fathom Another uh, Vern Gagne and the AWA and uh, I believe it was Pro Wrestling USA got into the felt form, the small arena one time at Madison Square Garden. Right,
2: I, I think WCW even ran yes, a show there. Yeah,
3: yeah, but to get into the main arena of Madison Square Garden, now this this is starting a revolution of Ring of Honor and New Japan getting in here. There was no advertising on TV. There's not. This is right. all through through diehard cult type of fans who support this. And once the word got out, the tickets sold very quickly, just like All In. And now I feel a change coming, in a way, in the wrestling business because there's, um, there's a wave of this whole independent scene that a lot of people credit Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks for That's starting to sweep around the country.
2: Yeah, you know, I think that uh, professional wrestling as a whole needs this. I think the business desperately needs, you can say competition. I don't want to call it competition uh, an alternative to the WWE. The wrestling business needs an alternative to the WWE. I think it makes the WWE stronger. I think it gives fans something else to be excited about. You know, part of what made the Monday Night Wars, you know, look, we all look back on it. Rose-colored glasses was the greatest thing that ever happened in the history of ever but the reality is uh, it it was a great time to be a wrestling fan because you had, oh, I don't like this over here. Cool. Let me go watch this channel.
3: Yeah. Oh, we did that. We yeah. did that. But now here's my question to all the apt chatters mm-hmm. out there. Okay. And we'd like to hear from you. If you had your choice that night, that Saturday night, mm-hmm. Ring of Honor, New Japan is going to be at MSG, Madison Square Garden. Or... In the borough of Brooklyn at the Barclays Center, NXT will be running, and that's going to be an amazing event as well. Of course. If you had a choice, there were tickets available for both of them. Where are you going?
2: Yeah, what a tough question. We would love to hear that. Uh, You can tweet us over at the After Chat and uh, let us know. Go to our Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. facebook.com slash the After Chat.
3: You know what I'd like to do? I'd like like them to to make everybody happy. I'd like Ring of Honor and New Japan to be a matinee show, and I'd like NXT to be an evening show. This way, Mm. everybody can enjoy the best of pro wrestling and sports entertainment.
2: Right. Unless they were both running at the same time in which you're basically doubling the amount of people who get to go enjoy live wrestling. So that's kind of a win-win no matter how you're you're slicing it there. Uh, But no, I think this is huge. I think that this is the start of something really big for the wrestling business. And uh, I'm excited for it. The winds have changed.
3: The winds have changed. That they have, Bill. And we actually have
2: a special guest waiting on the line for us. Carrie Silkin, owner of Ring of Honor from 2004 to 2011. He's currently the Ring of Honor ambassador.
3: But before we bring him on, we, we've got a little something to talk to you about. So, Josh, a lot of people don't know that besides being the host of the After Chat, mm-hmm. you're also the producer. I am. And one of your main jobs is to go out and procure sponsors for our show. Yes. Well, I cannot tell you how thrilled I was to hear that you got Bluetooth. Oh, Bill. What? Put your glasses, I didn't get
2: Bluetooth. I got Blue Chew! Oh, this is huge! I am incredibly excited about this. Speaking of excited, Have you ever found yourself feeling emotionally excited but having a hard time expressing it, say, physically? Now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed that you need. Listen up, bluechew.com, that's blue, like the color blue, bluechew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity, shall we say, arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Unless that's you know kind of how you do things, and the afterchat is a judge-free zone. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free. You hear that, Bill? Free. When you use our special promo code, Bill. B-I-L-L. Bill. Special promo code, Bill. Just pay $5 shipping, and you get your first shipment free. Promo code, Bill Again, that's blue com Promo code Bill, B-I-L-L, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them
3: for sponsoring the After Chat. So, Carrie Silken, welcome to the After Chat. Hey, guys.
0: Thank you for uh, having me on. And,
3: well, how could uh, we not? Yeah, I mean, they've been exciting us. time. There, there is... There is history in the making. Carrie, you and I have talked that we're both old school fans, and I go back even (laughs) older school. Old
0: and old school.
3: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) new and old school, but I go back uh, old school even longer than you go back. So you can imagine my shock when I heard that Ring of Honor after all these years of no other promotion getting into Madison Square Garden, that Ring of Honor had finally done it.
0: Yes. um, I'm in shock myself. Uh, (laughs) It was the perfect storm. It was the perfect storm, Bill. Um, I, you know, WWE coming for WrestleMania again. uh, Ring of Honor, which, you know, is normally at the Hammerstein, but we knew we needed a bigger building. Um, last year, the company did 7,000 people. That's a real number in New Orleans. The year before was like, was 4,000. And uh, so there we are in New York City, and it's very difficult to find buildings. And uh, it was a real leap of faith. I got to tip my hat to uh, Joe Kopp and Greg in the office. Um, At Right. Yes, for putting this together. And uh, it was a it was a, uh, a ballsy move, you know. But uh, it worked out, and uh, we have a sold out show on April sixth of next year at Madison Square Garden. Who would have thunk it?
2: So, who approached who with this Ring of Honor, or New Japan? Who who
0: was the uh, who who kicked this off? Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor. Yeah. Ring of Honor kicked it off. But I don't want to. New Japan was a you know has been a great partner, a great oh, sure. relationship. I'm not involved with any of the business uh, I used to be, and I'm happy not to be now. You're but, the ambassador. Um, I'm the ambassador. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm like the friendly. I tell people, say, well, what's that like? I said, I'm like the, I'm like the friendly family dog on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I go to uh, the show. Everyone pets me, <laughs> shoves a little food under the table, and then I get to leave. And I don't owe any money.
3: Now, just in case anybody has been on another wrestling planet, there are some people that don't know your history at Ring of Honor. So uh, uh, if you can give us kind of a capsule profile, that would be great, Carrie.
0: Okay. I I got involved with ROH back in 2003. I knew the uh, gentleman that uh, initially launched the company, I expressed interest in getting involved with it. Uh, at first, they didn't need me. Uh, then they approached me on a for a financial, some financial backing, and uh, that was in 2003. And uh, we won't go into the details, but there was uh, some problems in 2004. And I wound up as the sole owner of the company. It was uh, a bridge over troubled waters, to say the least but we were able to uh, navigate out of that. And uh, from then on, you know, we were sort of the uh, uh, underground darlings, you know, like some band that was, uh, you know, not mainstream, but uh, we, we expanded from, you know, Philly to Boston, and New Jersey. And then, you know, going to Chicago was like going to the moon and, uh, Things took off in 2005 with the punk Samoa Joe uh, matches and uh, the talent was great. And uh, we got to go to England. We had a working relationship with pro wrestling. Noah, we got to go to Japan twice and with dragon gate and eventually new Japan. And uh, I kept, but the, the, the thing was it was a finan- it was a critical success, but it was a financial disaster and I was the only person, you know, responsible for it. And if I've said this many times on these podcasts and interviews that a, a high school student, let alone an adult accountant, would have told me in 2006 or seven, you got to get rid of this thing. But due to my passion, due to my ego, due to my love of the product and the business, I held on. And fortunately I was able to, uh, keep it afloat without ruining myself. And along came Jim Carnett and Gary Juster who knew Joe cough. And, uh, we, in 2010, I started talking to Sinclair. It took a year to do the deal, but we did it. And here we are in 2018. It's, it's hard to believe it's been seven years since I sold the company, Wow. but, uh, yeah. yeah, And Sinclair's done a great job. I mean, there was growing pains in the beginning, like anything else. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're great. Joe Koff, you know, he's the perfect guy. He's the perfect guy. And he's just a good man. And uh, here we are in 2018, leading to 2019. It's a, it's a great product. It's, it always has been a great product.
2: So going back to the show at the Garden, uh, April 6th, 2019, uh, back in, I wanna say it was 2013, the WWE uh, did a WrestleMania in the same building that they're gonna be doing this year. Uh, however, they held their yeah. Hall of Fame in Madison Square Garden. And I, I believe, and I'm not entirely sure, but I believe they also held Raw and SmackDown after WrestleMania in the Garden as well. Uh, do you agree that, that the fact that they're going to the Barclays Center, um, that that may have really opened Madison Square Garden up to being interested in having Ring of Honor and New Japan come in.
0: You you hit the nail on the head. Uh, I think the Garden was it was jealous or they wanted to be included in this rest pro wrestling extravaganza weekend, mm-hmm. and I think they feel snubbed a little bit by you know Vince McMahon. Uh, You know, his his loyalty, and Bill could tell you, and I think you know, his loyalty to the Garden was paramount for so many years. But as time went on, you know, they were only doing a couple of shows a year, and their relationship with the Barclays has been flourishing um, with the Summer Slams Mm -hmm. and other major shows. Yeah. So uh, they get a better deal at the Barclays. (laughs) Yeah.
3: But, you know, and as so
0: the garden, the garden wanted some wrestling and here we were.
3: Well, as people always say is the garden is the garden. Yeah, that's uh, that's the mecca of pro wrestling in New York.
2: And, and it's a good thing that you said that, because I wanted to circle around back, Carrie, to something that you had said uh, about um, not being mainstream, being more of, let's say, like a punk band. Um, is there any concern in Ring of Honor that now stepping up to Madison Square Garden Uh, that maybe this could take them to that level where, where people don't see them as their own promotion. You know, they're, they're,
3: they're a punk band,
2: right. Where they feel like they've sold out in a way, or do you think people are just so excited?
0: It's a great question. And I've got a, I think I've got a good answer. The tickets, 60% of the tickets were purchased by honor club members in a pre-sale Hmm. last Wednesday. So the, the people that are in the honor club got a code and had the opportunity to buy pre-sale seats. Now, if there's, I don't know how many people are in the honor club, but it does not rival, you know, the WWE network. It's, sure. you know, a, a, a milli percent of that, but it's still strong enough that they sold 60% of the tickets to these ring of honor members. Um, which I thought was, that's you know, amazing. really yeah. that really spoke volumes. Sure,
2: and that's what you want. You want to be able to have a Ring of Honor crowd,
0: right? And based on the reaction and the comments I've gotten personally and I've seen, it's like everybody's beloved Ring of Honor. It's like a it's gonna be it's gonna be like a a happening, a, a love fest. Yeah, for Central Park,
3: yeah. Yes. Right. So my my question to you and I know you're not the guy that makes the decisions but people want to know do you think the company is going to romance CM Punk into coming to the garden?
0: Uh, you got me. I'm talking like Jackie Gleason uh, humming up, humming <laughs> humming
3: <hummer>, <laughs> Come on Norton answer the question.
0: Uh. <laughs> Uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. but yeah, that would you're 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 on the ball, bill. Um, that would be awesome. Uh, who knows you know the, the, the shows also sold the show also sold out with not one name being announced. Correct. Who knows what'll be happening in April of next year? You know, the attrition rate? It's not a secret. Who knows which guys might be there, which guys may not be there? There's mm-hmm. gonna be some different players. I'm sure that's just the nature of, it's always been the nature of uh, Ring of Honor. And, you know, you're going to lose guys and you're going to have guys step up to the plate. Uh, so, yeah, CM Punk, that would be wonderful. And that would. Uh...
2: And again, as you said, uh, it's sold out. With it, without a single match being announced. Or a single right. name. Or a single name, yeah, right. Really. And I think that, that right. speaks it's, to the uh, to Ring of Honor's brand and New Japan and, and just how excited people are about anything that they're putting out these days. Uh, Bill, I think you had one last yeah, question. Yeah,
3: Carrie, uh, I assume you're um, all in?
0: I am all in. I am going to be at you're ringside. very all in. Yeah. I am going to be in Chicago on September 1st, and I will be at ringside for yeah. the ROH title match which is going to be my good friend and our awesome champion probably the best i could say one of the best wrestlers in the world jay lethal defending the roh belt against the winner of the uh the battle royal the over budget uh,
3: battle royal
0: <laughs> over budget battle royal that's right which includes colt cabana which includes moose former ring of honor uh, star and there's some other names, but there's ten names that haven't even been announced yet. So I, I'm gonna, getting yeah. my trunk.
3: I'm getting my trunks ready. You know, wonderful Willie could Are you make an be appearance. Himself? Hey, why not? You know, I still have the championship office wrestling cow title. There
0: you go. Well, there's room for you. you I'll, I'll mention know. it to Cody.
3: <laughs> you ne- please do, <laughs> Carrie. Right, thank you so that. very much. Yeah, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at uh, Starcast and All In. Yes and uh this was terrific having you on the premiere episode of The After Chat. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on talking to us.
0: No, my my pleasure and uh it's nice to talk to, you know, people that are, you know, the, where the wrestling business has runs through their blood and uh you know, Bill Bill and I have been around a while and uh that's okay, you know these kids need <laughs> yeah. to learn These these kids need to learn history they, yeah, they you, do. know, if you don't know history, you don't know anything, and uh, it 's an important thing and uh, Thank you for having me on guys Thank, you, oh, thank Karen. you
3: Hulk Hogan is the interview everyone has been waiting for. it's been running wild, brother, all these vibes over social media, yeah and I want to clear something up because there's a lot of people who said, not a lot of people, a small group of people, maybe 5%, have said, oh, Hogan's on this redemption tour. He called after and wants to get on the show. Was Paul Bear one of those people? That's the wrong answer. No, but those fans think that Hogan called to get on here. So here's the truth of the matter. When we first discussed doing this podcast, the Mm. After Chat... We sat down and I said to you, Josh, if you were a fan, and I know you are a fan, you've been yeah. a fan, and I said, who would be a great guest for the premiere episode? What did you say?
2: I said Hulk Hogan. Right. And I and I said that I threw that out there as the, you know, wish upon a star. I think maybe we can get Hulk Hogan, but I was half serious. Okay, okay. And you- so
3: What did I do? You picked up your phone and
2: you called Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And, uh, and you asked him. You said, hey, Hoke, uh, we're doing this show, and we would love to have you on as a
3: guest. Yeah, and I also said to him, because you were sitting here when I talked to him, I also said to him, you can talk about whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can talk about your career. Uh, we can talk about the controversy. Uh, we can talk about anything, your family, whatever you want to talk about. And what he did on this interview was – something i really never expected out of him i really didn't know he was going to go in a direction no that he went because uh
2: no and 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 look if i can just be be clear the the thing is we wanted hulk hogan on as a guest because of his contributions to this business oh, of course because hulk hogan is the biggest name in professional wrestling history as far as i'm concerned and if you're doing a podcast about professional wrestling and you're having a guest on who bigger than Hulk Hogan? Yeah. That was my thought. Yeah. I I wasn't blind to the fact that he's been surrounded in a controversy. However, he was recently welcomed back into the WWE Hall of Fame. Correct. So our stance on it is this, and and only this: it is not our place to tell you how to feel about the controversy with Hulk Hogan.
3: Right. We just it's, want you to we, listen. We to just this want interview. you to listen. Yeah.
2: It is just for us to give you this interview with Hulk Hogan. His words for you to be able to, to listen and walk away feeling however you're going to feel.
3: So, listen right now to part one of an amazing two part series on the After Chat, The Hulkster Brother. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined
2: now by our very first guest on the After Chat. He is a six-time WWE champion, a six-time WCW champion, and a WWE Hall of Famer, the most iconic name in professional wrestling history. Please welcome the immortal Hulk Hogan. Mr. Hogan, welcome to the After Chat.
1: Brother, the only thing you forgot Uh was I'm the first ever IWGP champion.
2: Yes, indeed. I apologize.
1: Oh, Ah, a a lot of people forget that. That's
3: right. That
2: was...
1: Okay, thank you for... Thank you for the intro. You're forgiven because you're there with one of my best friends who's been with me since day one, Bill After, and we go so far back. It's ridiculous. I don't even want to tell people how long we've known each other. Yeah, we do. We do. Yeah, I mean, I've seen articles and different things. Well, he was the first IWGP champion, or that guy was the first IWGP champion but I was. It's just so amazing that a lot of wrestling fans don't know that.
2: Yeah, that's really something. Well, I'm glad that you're here to set the record straight on the after chat. Well, first well, I'm of all... Glad
1: i could, <laughs> glad I could straighten you out, my brother. You definitely
3: Appreciate. did. You definitely did. And uh, I know that you, other than, I think, Eric Bischoff's podcast, this is the only other podcast you've done, and I'm honored, again, uh, as a friend and professional uh, to have you on here. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about the first thing before we talk about anything else is the goosebumps that I got, the way Hulk Hogan would say, the blood was rushing through me, brother, when I heard about you going back into the WWE Hall of Fame. And this was based on, you know, their radar seeing about all the wonderful things you did, not just in the past few years, but since you started wrestling in charity but there was this one event that you did on long island uh with the uh, boys and girls club and that was on the radar of so many people tell us about that
1: oh my gosh i've done so much on long island which which event are we talking about well now? the, the recent
3: on? one with the boys and girls club
1: well it was it was for cancer and it was um just a bunch of really great people on long, long island i've got some good friends there barry ross my old vitamin guy and, There were just so many friends. I mean, that that came out. Lennox Lewis came out. Um, Oh my gosh, it was just—it was just amazing. Oh, uh, Jerry Quarry came out.
3: Jerry Quarry, the boxer, is still around, huh?
1: Yeah, oh, he looks great, man. He's like six foot seven. I was looking up at him. It was like I just couldn't believe how. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.
3: Jerry Quarry or Jerry Cooney? I'm mixed up. Cooney. 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 Sorry. All right. Yeah.
1: Cooney. Cooney. I'm sorry. That's that's okay. Uh, Okay, I'm I'm excited to talk to you guys. I apologize. No, gave me, Jerry gave me Jerry gave me the big uh, pinch on the cheek, you know, then the old slap that follows it. So, it was it was kind of crazy, but yeah, yeah it was a, a charity for cancer and everybody came out. It was a black tie event. And of course, I was overly dressed as usual with my t-shirt and bandana on, but <laughs> you course. know, I, I, you know, I was inducted to the Hall of Fame uh for the Boys and Girls Club because I started out as a club kid here in Tampa. And the weirdest thing was a lot of people don't know when I grew up, it was a really, really like poor Tampa, South of Dandy, where Steve Kern and and then Mike Graham went to Robinson high school. Mm-hmm. It was a really, really tough neighborhood, you know? So it was just, um, it was a crazy time growing up and my brother who was six years older than me, who was passed away many, many years ago. He went down the wrong path in life. And of course he was my big brother and, I I even chased him around, and, you know, he was like 15 years old, and he got a a motorcycle, and he was getting with the wrong crowd, and every weekend he would get in fights. Every weekend he'd be getting in fights and getting in trouble, and then when he got a little little bit older, he would get in fights and get put in jail. And back in the day, believe it or not, you could get in a fight, get put in jail, no lawyers or anything like that, and be out of jail for $25. I was chasing my brother around and hanging around with an older crowd, and my dad goes, that's it. He grabbed me by the neck, took me down to the boys' club, and they had everything from arts and crafts to music to baseball to a huge Olympic swimming pool, and I got hooked. So instead of running around the streets as a kid chasing my brother, when I was growing up, I ended up at the boys' and girls' club. And I grew up in the club, and I was like a club kid. So when they put me in the Hall of Fame, even in the middle of all the controversy. You know, with me getting kicked out of the WWE Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. the Boys Club, they knew who I was, and they, they've known me forever. And I've grown up in that club and, and with the people, and they put me in the, the Boys Club Hall of Fame, which really was a huge honor for me.
2: Yeah, that that's amazing, and congratulations on that again.
3: Now, going back to, to those days in Tampa, didn't uh, Eddie Graham have something to do with, uh, I think it was a place called the Boys Ranch back then?
1: Yeah, he had, he had the... Uh, It was called the Sheriff's Boys Ranch. And here's another urban legend that's not true. The Sheriff's Boys Ranch was for kids that were kind of like troubled kids like I started to be. Mm -hmm. And they got in trouble for fighting or stealing or whatever they did. They'd go to the Sheriff's Boys Ranch if they were like juvenile delinquents. Well, there was always this crazy urban legend that I had to go do time at the Sheriff's Boys Ranch, which isn't a bad thing. It helps out the young kids to get straightened out in life. But i never went to the sheriff's boys ranch i went to hank lindstrom's youth ranch he was a christian minister and i went there because a couple of my friends uh, who turned out to be ministers these twin brothers ronald and donald satterwhite they turned out to be uh, both ministers they took me there when i was playing junior high football and i accepted christ as my savior when i was 14 years old and the reason i love the youth ranch was we used to sing all these crazy songs, and I and I and I played guitar back then. So I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I felt important because I get to play guitar for all these kids that were singing all these really cool Christian songs. But I didn't go to the sheriff's boys' ranch, which Eddie Graham kind of like helped, you know, build and founded it. I went to the Christians' uh, youth ranch. So everybody's always been mixed up on that story.
3: You you mentioned the the uh, the guitar. When did you first did you first pick that up? at the Boys and Girls Club? Because you mentioned they had swimming, arts and crafts, music.
1: Well, I had just um, got a guitar for Christmas and the year before, and uh, I started to take a few guitar lessons. You know, you weren't in the standard three-chord progressions, you know, like, like the Louie Louie stuff and all those old-school songs. And all those Christian songs were three-chord progressions, brother. So <laughs> I went there, and, and I saw, oh, my gosh, I can fit in. You know, I wasn't real, real excited about you know the religious stuff because i didn't understand it at the time and 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 finally you know i kind of like fit in because i could play guitar and then once i got comfortable with the kids and i could hear the message and understand the reason we were really there i i I, you know i dedicated myself to christ many many years ago and when i was 14 years old like i said that's what got me hooked was being able to play guitar and be kind of like the the ringleader of the, the singing little group there you know But, uh, yeah, the the charity stuff has always been within me. You know, Bill, you know that way before John Cena was around, you know, I was like the main guy for Make-A-Wish there with with the WWE and WWF. And instead of wanting to see Michael Jackson or Mickey Mouse or sometimes Mr. T, they'd want to see me. And I had more Make-A-Wish requests than anybody. And then here comes John Cena. And he, (laughs) the door that I cracked open, he just kicked it open. And he did a million times more work and just saw so many kids that he's just really raised the bar so yeah it's been part of what I've been doing forever brother you know that yeah he yeah, oh, certainly know that. paved the
2: way for for John Cena and and uh, all the Make-A-Wish with the wrestlers
3: well it's still it's still a situation with even with the uh, with kids that didn't grow up in the Hulkamania generation when you ask kids today about wrestling so many of them still say Hulk Hogan I'd like to meet Hulk Hogan
1: brother i i you know when I get in the business, I just wanted a job. I just wanted to be a wrestler because I've always loved this business. But when the role model thing came along, I, I went, okay, well, what's this about? And then you get to the point where you get used, you get used to it. Okay. And then the the character Hulk Hogan starts making Terry Bollea, the man, a better person. And then you thank God for it. Um, I mean, and, and sometimes I forget how Hulk Hogan has affected so many people and I have to keep myself in check. And we all make these crazy mistakes, but it's about getting knocked down and getting back up and moving forward. And just the other day, you know, when I was walking around and my back was hurt and I had to go to another meeting and I started to think in my mind, you know, the woe is me thought, you know, I said, oh my gosh, this, that, and the you other. Know, the woe is me thought, all of a sudden the guy walks by I me mean, that was blind, you know, and on the sidewalk here in the beach. And once again, I said, thank you, God. You know, I'm so grateful, you know, for my perfect health. And just, you know, just got back on track. And the moment I walked into this meeting I was going into, there was a girl there on vacation at a hotel called the Sam Pearl. She goes, Oh my gosh, and she went into this whole story of how her father was never around and when he came around, he was totally abusive to her and her mother. And it was such a heartfelt story that she asked me, she goes, I've always dreamed about you, that you were my father could you be my official father? And of course I hugged her and said, yes, we took pictures, but sometimes you just forget how powerful that character was, you know, since the early seventies, even up until today. So yeah, make mistakes, but you have to stay in check and believe me, I've learned from my mistakes to keep my end in check.
2: <laughs> yeah. And you know what? And it sounds like from everything that I've been hearing and, and just the stuff that you're saying is, you know, yeah, everybody does make mistakes and, uh, but, to have this platform that you have to be able to show everybody how you can learn from mistakes. And mistakes don't define who you are. Absolutely. um, That they're just a mistake. And I think it's uh it's just amazing to to hear all of this and how it's continued, you know, your perspective on it and how you've continued to grow, you know, and and growing up in the eighties and nineties, you know, uh, for me, I mean, you know, you're Hulk Hogan, it it, it doesn't get bigger than that. Um, So, you know, there's, there's definitely that part of me here, but, uh, but also just to be able to talk to you and hear the human being and, and, you know, how humble you are uh, at this point in your life is, uh, is really amazing to be able to hear this stuff.
1: Well, it's, it's been a learning curve, you know, and, and a lot of people, you know, it's just, it's just amazing, you know, how, how beautiful this life is, and how gifted we all are to still. Mm -hmm be part of this and keep moving forward every day. And, you know, when things happen, you know, I go back to the religion, which led me to my relation with what I believe. And I'm not saying this is for everybody, but what read, led me to my, the religion, which led me to my relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ and God and the whole thing that, you know, to realize that, you know, people can readjust people can, move forward, make mistakes. And the first thing that happens is, you know, that I do all the time when I make a mistake or I say, you know, things out of order, which I shouldn't say, or I get mad about something or, you know, I'll just not treat someone. I could have treated someone a hundred percent and I realized, Oh, I treated them 85%. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of, kind of an amazing situation, you know, to ask for forgiveness, know that you're forgiven in, in the eyes of whoever you which in my case is Jesus Christ and I believe in in my faith and I can move forward and reset. I feel so sorry for those individuals that can't forgive people. You know, even when people get back on track and move forward, they still want to, you know, hold them to the mistake they made years ago or the mistake they made five minutes ago. It's just such a weird thing that some people, you know, are so nice, but they still judge people, you know, and, and, I've just gotten to the point now where I don't judge anybody because I've learned that you can make mistakes. You know, we're all human. And the thing is to find the good in people and to cheer people on to move forward not to try to beat them down and and hold them down with a mistake they made. So, I mean, I've learned that, that, you know, not only have I made a ton of mistakes, but everybody that I know has, and it's really cool to see people grow, move forward and learn from mistakes. And that's the chance the boys club gave me. That's why I'm so dialed in with the boys club and Frank Sanchez in Atlanta, who's my main man up there running the clubs. And, I mean, I'll 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 go a mile and a half for the boys club any day of the week because I see what they do for these kids that are lost like I was. So it's really, really cool to be on track with an organization like that. And the WWE mm-hmm. is right there supporting right, the boys Club, that, which that's... Is so crazy that they would – I mean, I love wrestling for the WWE – and the boys clubs to be tag team partners, it's like a perfect thing for me.
3: How did you uh, uh, find out that you were going to be reinstated into the WWE Hall of Fame? Because that was, at every show that I've done in the past few years, I've been saying, we've got to get Hogan back in the Hall of Fame. How did it happen? I mean, they, they obviously see all the, uh, all the things you've done and uh, all the charity work you've been doing. Um, how did it happen?
1: Well, we're getting in, into some really uncharted territory right now. Okay. And because I don't hold back. Right. Um, you know, I'm going to go there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, here we go. There's a situation where, oh my gosh, it, it. first off, I have to preface this whole conversation with, um, I've been through a lot of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, stuff in my son. um, I was one of these guys that I thought no matter what happens in life, you don't get divorced. The good comes with the bad and, you know, through better or worse, you know, sickness and health. I actually believed those words when I said I'm under God that I would never be divorced. Well, things change and people change and some people don't want to be married forever. So it's just such a weird situation that, you know, As I move forward in life, you just never really know the twists and turns and the way things are going, you know. So wrestling's been such a crazy part of my life. Everything I've been through with my wife, my ex-wife, and my son, and all kind of drama in the media, I think getting kicked out of the wrestling business on a personal level knocked me so far down. It was really hard to get back up, like I say, and move forward. Getting the wrestling has been my life. I love wrestling. I'm got, I'm recording SmackDown as we speak. I record everything. I watch the network. I check out all the independent stuff going on. I follow everything. I'm the biggest mark there is. And all these people go, Hey, I'm smart, you know, I don't know. I mean, brother. You're never not a mark. If you love the wrestling business, you learn something new every day, and you're still a mark. So for all these people that say they're smart marks, I just laugh at them because I've been in this business almost 40 years, and every single day I learn something new. So yeah, well. you just can't say you know the business because you don't. We're all marks. We love it so much. People like you and I, Bill, and and you know I, I don't know your partner, Josh, if, if you've got the same passion we do, but he it's does. just in our blood. It's yeah. good. Thank God. So when I got kicked out of the wrestling business, it was like I didn't think I could recover. I really didn't. Um, and what people don't realize is when you get kicked out of the wrestling business, for the reason I did, for the, the racial remarks, there's a huge ripple effect. Your phone doesn't ring. Um, people that you thought were your friends, sometimes it's hard time talking to them or seeing them or they just disappear, getting work or your phone ringing. It just doesn't happen. So that was just the small stuff. The big stuff for me was to be kicked out of wrestling. Are you kidding me? Something that I love, it was like tearing my heart out of my chest. So I just had to tell you guys that it was one of the toughest things that ever happened. So
3: see, and I, I felt that I felt that for you because the people us in the wrestling business are it's their brotherhood, it's their it's that family and you you're you're out of the family and it's just Oh I can't take that. Yeah.
1: Bring, bring if I forget because you know, I'm little Sometimes my memory's not that great. As we're talking, I want you to bring up that brotherhood thing, yeah, because I have something to say about that also. Um, but anyway, to fast forward, um, radio silence for the first year and a half, okay? Mm-hmm. And then um, out of nowhere, um, Triple H reached out to me. You know, hey, man, hope you're doing good. Well, at least, the, I can't remember the text exactly, but it was like something along these lines. Like, I hope you're doing well, at least the best you can which meant he was concerned about me, you know, and that was really cool because when he was hanging out with DX and they were doing their thing, you know, he worked at WCW. I was so busy running around with my own problems with my family and my ex wife and stuff. I really didn't get to know too many of the young guys, you know, but for him to reach out, it kind of like gave me hope, you know? So um, then it started every once in a while he would, he would talk to me and, and we'd say a couple words over the phone. And, and, you know, it was kind of like really cool, but never, never talked to Vince, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then trip plates and I started talking a little bit more this last year about possibilities. And I told him the stuff I was doing with 50 legs where it's a local charity here that I'm part of that, you know, we get uh, legs for kids that can't afford prosthetic legs. Oh, wow. And um, you know, it's, Just all these kids, you know, there's so many kids that can't afford to have legs to to walk on or swim or or to run with, you know. So I'm really involved with a buddy of mine, Steve Chamberlain, and a charity called 50 Legs. We do get legs for these kids. So I was kind of like telling Triple H what I was up to about my little beach shops that I had going, you know. And Mm -hmm. every once in a while I'll do an autograph signing and just how nice the people are to me. Black, white, indifferent, doesn't matter what race, color, or creed. No matter what happened, they would come in the line and go, Hulk, honey, we love you, we stand behind you. And if they did want to talk about the racial slur, they would say, man, we know who you are, we know it was a mistake, but that's not who you are. And the people were so gracious that it gave me this crazy hope, just this crazy hope that maybe someday I could get back on my feet you know, with my brothers in the wrestling business. So and if I'm talking too much, just stop me. Not no, at all, I, no, I, Not at all. Okay. And, and so, you know, fast forwarding, you know, we started talking and and Triple H knew what I was doing with the, uh, the boys and girls club. And there was a common bond there. So he kept a good eye on what I was doing. And I kept him aware when I was making appearances or what we had going. And so then, uh, we started talking about, you know, different things like Saudi Arabia and and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I said, man, you know, I'd I'd really just love to talk to Vince, you know, and I texted Vince back and forth on birthdays. And he texts me on new year's and stuff like this. And, uh, but we never had a really good conversation. So all of a sudden, my phone rings and says, "Hey, monster, hey, how do you doing?" You know, so we talked, and it was like, "Wow, man!" You know, we've been texting back and forth, but I hadn't heard Vince's voice. And it was just so good to hear his voice, and he hasn't changed a bit. You know, mm-hmm. same old intense Vince. You know, yeah. and we talked. And it was a great conversation. And then you know, we talked back and forth. You know, for you know every couple months or so. And then, you know, Triple H said, you know something, man? I think it's, it's time uh, you, you have a conversation, you know, and uh, with yourself. And, and what, do you really want to do anything with wrestling? I said, oh, my gosh, I'd love to this and that and the other. And one of the things that we agreed upon was um, Triple H and Vince, you know, I talked to both of them. They said, well, the first thing that we want to do is, is, is bring you back you know, and we want you to, um, talk to the, to the black athletes. And I said, no, I'm not going to do it. Huh. If I come back, I want to talk to everybody because what I did not only hurt the business, it hurt white, black, every athlete you have, Japanese, everybody that's mm-hmm. involved loves this business. What I said hurt this business, you know, it kind of like dropped us all down a notch. And so I want to come back and talk with everybody. So, that's kind of how it happened, and i and I flew into um Cleveland a few weeks ago because yeah. they had uh, extreme rules in Pittsburgh, right. and thinking that you know maybe I could just kind of slide in there and do what I needed to do and then slide out. But know I flew into Cleveland, I was going to drive to Pittsburgh, but um, when I landed in Cleveland, the fans were there, you know, mm-hmm. and they, you know they stalk you man, they find you oh yeah there, there were stuff.
3: photos all over Twitter and Instagram and everywhere
1: yeah. So I I, uh, I kind of like was surprised, you know. I thought we could sneak in, you know. Me and Jimmy Hart were together, of course, Bill. Mm-hmm. You know that.
3: Yes, always. And uh,
1: we got yeah. So we spent the night there, and, and Pat Patterson shows up, right? So he fly in Cleveland, you know. And and Pat goes, yeah, Terry, I heard you were coming back, and we haven't talked for a while. So like Pat helped break me into business here in, in Florida with the Briscoes and Matsuda. So. Mm-hmm. We just, I just love being around Pat. He's one of one of my closest friends in the business. And we laughed and we joked and we talked in the car on the way to Pittsburgh this morning. And I got to Pittsburgh, but right before I got to the building, my phone was blowing up. Going, congratulations, you're back in the Hall of Fame. I had no idea they put me in the Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. I thought we were just going to go there and talk, you know? And it just kind of like, wow, that's so cool. You know, it just made my made me grin from ear to ear. I mean, I'm sure. I didn't start crying because I had two other men in the car with me, but I was ready, <laughs> ready to break down, break down and cry. But um, no, so I get to the building and, you know, we go in and they had this, Everybody, everybody's in a room and I, and I walked in the room and I, and I made it really, really clear in my head what I wanted to say. There were two trains of thought. There was plan A and there was plan B. And plan A was, hey, thank you guys for because I know how busy everybody is on TV days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had no idea where everybody's going or where everybody was coming from. But, um, you know, at Extreme Rules, I figured all the talent was there. And uh, I said, thank you guys for the time. And the first thing I want to do is tell you guys 12 years ago I said something. That three years ago it just came to light. And I want to apologize for <clears throat> everything I said. I could could give you the woe is me story. I could tell you all the things, all the reasons why I was in this space. I was in a very dark, dark space, but everybody's got a woe is me story. Everybody's got an excuse. But the truth is I said these things 12 years ago and I didn't even know they were said until three years ago because that's when they came out. Mm -hmm. I, I can't remember what I said last weekend, much less 12 years ago. Maybe you guys can, but I can't. And, When I said it, it was in a fit of anger, but I did say it, I'm accountable, that's not who I am, that's not how I feel, that's not how I believe, but the one thing I will tell you is when I said it, I was very, very mad, very, very mad at a situation, but I did say it, and it was inappropriate, it was out of context, it was hurtful, it was unacceptable, and I did it, and I apologize if you guys could ever forgive me, I would be forever grateful. And I made sure that was my one train of thought that I let them know it was something that I said that was out of character when I was mad. And it just was the worst thing that could, anybody could ever say. And I'm so sorry. And for those of you that know me, you guys know I'm not like that. But those of you who don't know me that have only been working here a couple of years, let me prove myself to you. That's not who I am. And I just want to make sure that was the one train of thought that I got to apologize. And I was accountable you know that I did say it and yes I'm sorry then I switched gears to plan B and I said now I want to let you guys know that this is the biggest spotlight in the world The WWE is the biggest spotlight in the world and if you're a little teeny star don't, don't even slip on a banana peel when you're a little star here because you're in the spotlight hmm. try not to make any mistakes like I made but when you're a big star here and you make a mistake the whole world's going to know you'll be on the front page of every newspaper, of every magazine, you know, just like it happened to me. I made a mistake and this machine was so big and and the WWE's made me such a big star that everybody knows what's going on. So please be careful because people have cell phones and cameras and just be careful. And I made the two plan A, not plan A, the train of thought A and train of thought B and I made it as clear as I could possibly make it. I, I admit I was nervous. I've never been that nervous before in my life talking to a group of my peers. But those were the two things. And a lot of people accepted my apology. And a lot of people heard what they wanted to hear. And a lot of the narrative that came out of the the, the meeting was on point. A lot of the narrative was really different because I just I was I was uh, surprised to hear some people interpreted what I said. You know, that I was just sorry I got caught. I mean, on camera, or whatever they interpreted, but I never said that, you know. But I guess sometimes the media and people go with the most negative narrative that can come out of there, but it's that's pretty much what happened, you know, and that's how I got put back on the Hall of Fame. I was on the way to the meeting and um I was put in before I got there, which was really, really cool. Well, well
2: I, I, I think I speak for Bill when I say that we appreciate you using uh, this show as an opportunity to tell your side of that because um, I think it is important that people hear that from you.
1: Well, I mean, you know, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, I, I said those words. It was totally unacceptable. And I just really wanted to get in front of all the talent and apologize because I know I hurt this business. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just want to move forward. You know, and I just I just hope the brotherhood can get back to the way and that's the word you use bill brotherhood and and i just hope the brotherhood can get back to the way it was because you know um when you're in the ring and somebody's body slamming somebody or pal driving somebody you protect your brother and you you make sure physically they're they're um they're they're safe safe. and and outside the ring you're supposed to protect your brother you know Mm -hmm. and in this case you know it's it's a situation where you know, seventy-five, eighty, ninety percent of the wrestlers are are protecting me and they're giving me a, another chance. You know, to move forward. And but you know, there's just a few wrestlers that kind of like don't understand the the bond and the brotherhood of wrestling. And hey, if someone makes a mistake, you need to forgive them and move on and, and try to let them prove themselves. You know, but I just uh, I, I just feel that I wish I could kind of like have one-on-one conversations with people that really don't know me. And try to maybe explain myself better, but you know, all in all, it was a great day. Um, you know, it's it's just a, a highlight of my life to be able to be able back be back in the Hall of Fame, and to uh, be able to move forward. So it's it's been it's been a great a great time these last couple of weeks.
3: I was at the uh, Hall of Fame when you were inducted, and it was uh, Sylvester Stallone who inducted. You in the Hall of Fame, and I just remember seeing you later on backstage, and how uh, how glowing you were about the entire uh, just being in the Hall of Fame. There, this is probably uh, you know we talk about people talk about titles and other things that have happened to you in your life. Where would you put this platform of the Hall of Fame in your in your life in your career?
1: Well, I mean to be accepted by my peers and to be someone that you're regarded by your peers, that you've done something to, you know, positively affect this business and to make this business bigger and better. And just to leave a mark on this business and, and be recognized by the the men and women that work with me is just the highlight of my life. I mean, this hall of fame thing, you know, meant so much to me that I was Like I said before, I was devastated, but to be back in the Hall of Fame and to be in good graces with the WWE and the WWE universe is just. Feel like I get a spring in my step. I feel like I need another title run or something, brother. Oh (laughs) boy! I was going to ask you what the the next step
3: is, but I think you just gave it away.
1: No, brother. The mind says yes, but the body says no. So if the
3: body was still the right body, would it be Hogan and Braun Strowman?
1: That could be, that yeah. could be. Um, if the mind would have been much smarter, <laughs> thirty-five years ago, with the largest arms in the world, wouldn't someone use the sleeper instead of jumping up and landing on their tailbone every night and ruining their back?
2: You know, it's it's funny you mention that because we do we have some fan questions we we're going to get to uh, a little bit later, but um, one of them that came from from Matt. Uh, was asking how and why did you select the leg drop as your patent and finisher? So I think if I can jump in with that question here, because that's, that's a really good question.
1: Well, it's, you know, people don't, don't realize, you know, that, you know, 38, 39 years ago, we didn't have the, the high spot finishes with, you know, mm-hmm. six or seven or eight or nine or 20 finishing moves before a finishing move beats somebody. You know, it was pretty much the heart punch, Stan Stasiak, the lariat, Stan Hansen, the claw, Baron, Baron Von Rashka, you know, yeah. the sleeper, Vern Gagne. Nobody ever um,
3: got out so, of the figure four? That was the submission? Hold. No,
1: never, yeah. never. And at the end of the day, we didn't have all these, bounce somebody's belly off the rope and do three flips and then, you know, drop two knees between their shoulders. And, you know, we didn't have any of that stuff back then. We had the sleeper, we had the, you know, the claw, we had the heart punch, we had the leg drop at the 34 we had really basic finishes you know and and you know you would work so hard to tell the story that when you get somebody in that type of jeopardy people believed that this was it mm-hmm. and so pretty much everybody had had every finish there was and nobody was using the leg drop so i just tried to jump up a little higher than than most people that not too many people did it and, and tried to jump up a little bit higher and make sure my butt and my leg landed as close to somebody's head and their neck so it looked believable, mm-hmm. you know, that, that when I landed on him, it would definitely end the match, so um, that's the only reason I selected it, because a lot of the other finishes were already taken.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and there were wrestlers who gave up to holds like the abdominal stretch, when today that's barely even regarded as a hold.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I remember in, in Florida here, for a while, Bob Rook was beating people with an arm, arm bar, not oh, a yeah. not the Ronda Rousey type arm bar. Yeah, I remember just, that. Just the one where you you put the knee in the side of the guy's head and, and lean back, you know.
3: Took a million pictures of him, uh, of him doing that. By the way, one of the things I want to thank you for publicly that I never thanked you for uh, in all our conversations is back in the days, and no one's ever done anything about this, and I send you a copy of my book, and it's not even touched on in, in my book, uh, is that during the days when the magazines were banned, you were very loyal to the company, and yet you were very loyal to your friendship with me where you talked about your dad earlier, but your mom was my mediator with you to get to talk to you back and forth. I had such a great conversation once or twice a week with your mother all the time. Do you remember that?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, my mom loved this business, and, and she, was, uh, she, was, she was so proud the whole kitchen. In in the house when you'd walk in our little house there in South Tampa, there was not you couldn't see the paint on the wall. There were just wrestling pictures yeah. everywhere in the kitchen. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was really cool. Yeah,
3: she's really the cool. one. She's the one who sent us the pictures from Rocky Three that you saw on all the covers and everything.
1: Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't um, sure if you me, ever knew let me, that. Let me, let me let me let me switch gears and, sure. and go back real quick with you guys, please. Um, what is your What is your honest Feedback from my me being inducted to the Hall of Fame. What do what the fans think? I know what I'm getting on Twitter and Facebook and all the you know Instagram stuff. It's all really really positive for me. What do you What are you guys getting with well, me being back in the Hall of Fame?
3: Uh, I sent you um, just a few days ago. I sent you uh, one of the fans that had uh, oh yeah tweeted me. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, I and uh, I get nothing but positive feedback. Some of the things. Uh, I've realized in my life, uh, doing whatever, everything that I do, is that somebody once told me, if you make a mistake, you're still not going to please all of the people all of the time. So there's always going to be a small percentage of the public that are always going to question what your intentions are. For the most part, everything that I've gone is, thank God he's back in the WWE Hall of Fame. What about you, Josh? What have you heard?
2: Yeah, I'd say for the most part, more of the same. Um, You know, look, I I think the general consensus with the people that I've been speaking to is that what was said was wrong. Um, It shouldn't have been said. And we have a choice. Do we say, okay, that's it? Done? Write you off, or do we allow you an opportunity to apologize? Do we allow you an opportunity to uh, grow as a person and and change? And I think that uh, m- most of the people I've spoken to feel that you know, um, hey, it's the WWE Hall of Fame. You know, your body work speaks for itself, and this is this is where you belong. Um, you belong in the WWE Hall of Fame.
3: The people that know you and all the years that I've known you since the early '70s you're a good person there's nothing that's that person that you were talking about wasn't you and a lot of times people say things in fits of anger and all that and you're not going to be able to please uh please everybody there are still people who won't even though he's he's done everything everything he can to make people forgive him hope they will no nope, there are a lot of people won't go to a mel gibson movie so there's always going to yeah, be yeah. detractors it's always yeah, going to be that. there and you are a super, I know you, you're a super sensitive person, and this eats you up inside, even if it's one person that doesn't accept this, it eats you up inside.
1: Well, you know, I'm not here to to judge whether, because, you know, the, the it was just so crazy, inappropriate, out of context, shocking, that, you know, those words came out of my mouth. It was totally unacceptable. Of course. All I know is Moving forward, you know, to be able to work through this the last three years and to be able to meet people face to face, you know, that's just kind of like even in the meeting when I was done talking with all the talent in the meeting, I said, does anybody have any questions? You know, the only person that stood up with Mark Henry and I just wanted to be able to, if anybody had any questions or anybody had anything to say at that time, I really wanted them to just say it in my face so I could address it. Hopefully, you know, understand the issue and hopefully get them to understand me that, you know, even if you don't know me, this is a huge mistake. Just want to really try to prove to myself that I'm who everybody else knows I am. And, and you know, so it's just uh, it was just something that even though, you know, I'm the WWE brought me back, mm-hmm. I don't I don't even question their decision because it was so inappropriate whatever happened happened and I'm just glad we're on track moving forward now and uh you know it just makes me want to work harder and you know if there are certain WWE stars that don't know me or have questions I would love to be able to sit down and talk with them you know I would love to be able to sit down and let them get to know me and try to figure me out even even more than they already think they have so I'm just looking looking at it as something really really positive this WWE Hall of Fame looking at it as a big first right step in the right direction. And it's, it's a good thing. It's definitely a good thing.
2: Well, there you have it. Part one of the after chat interview with Hulk Hogan. It's
3: almost like we just, we sat back and listened to him because he had so much on his mind that he wanted to talk about.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, for me as a fan growing up in the '80s and '90s, that that was a, a that was a really unique experience that I did not expect to ever have an opportunity to be a part of. Yeah, it
3: um, wasn't that. Uh, it wasn't that. Let me tell you something,
2: brother Hogan. Right. And uh, and for people wondering where that guy is, we're gonna get to that guy next week, part two of the Hulk Hogan interview. We dive uh, much more into his career. Uh, into the character of of Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania, and all of that. Um, so you're going to get a lot of behind the scenes stuff, a lot of questions that I don't think he's ever been asked before.
3: And and several of your ask after questions for Hulk Hogan are answered by Hulk Hogan. Yeah. So stay tuned for that next week. So Josh, what are you uh, doing this Sunday night? Who wants to know? I do. Oh well, in I'm that Bill case, After from the
2: After Chat. I'm Josh I'm Chernoff, I'm the host. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will be watching SummerSlam, of course, in the yeah. WWE Network. Yeah. SummerSlam is going to be coming to you live from the Barclays Center this Sunday uh, in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, all right. Uh, but you know what? Before we get into a SummerSlam lightning round uh, preview pick, whatever you want to call it, pick'ems. here in the after chat, a uh, pick, uh, pickums. Well, you do whatever you want well, to you do. Know you know, I'm a country music doors.
3: fan, so I like pickums.
2: Oh Lord. So. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the After Chat merch, as you like. You don't like the word merchandise. It's kind of a, a weird thing. I like merch. You like merch? Yeah. And you know what? You'll like merch too. Over at theafterchat.com, you can find all the After Chat merchandise. We got some great shirts. There's the After Chat logo shirt, of course. There's Is Wrestling Fixed?
3: I didn't know it was broken. You can find that t-shirt. is A brand is, new design, by the way. Yes,
2: and you can find a, a t-shirt. This is our top seller, believe it or not. Respect the comb-over. It, is, it pays homage to the, the to comb-over. greatest comb-over of all Thank time. You. Thank you. The Apter comb-over. Thank you. And uh, you can get Respect the comb-over. And, of course, you want to walk into your office and feel like a champion. Yeah. Well, now you can with the Championship Office Wrestling, the Cal Championship belt t-shirt. Uh, these things are selling quicker than I ever could have imagined, considering yeah, this is the first episode. Right. To, to already be able to sell branded merchandise before, uh, I think that speaks to the After Chatters, as you like to call them. Yeah, these people um, are
3: sitting there listening to this in their After Chat merch.
2: Yes. Yeah. And you too can be sitting in your After Chat merch if you go to afterchat.com. But also, afterchat.com there's a little link that you can click. It says books. And. You can click on, is wrestling fixed? I didn't know it was broken. The book by the one and only Bill Apter, the inspiration for the shirt, is wrestling fixed. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know yeah. it was broken. There's yeah. a theme going on here, folks. So so you can go to theafterchat.com and you can either buy the book, you can buy the shirts, uh, and you can listen to this podcast. So chances are you're already there.
3: So lightning fast picks. SummerSlam.
2: all right rusev and lana versus andre Almos and zelina vega i have a really difficult time with their I names i noticed that it's yeah i just Andred, for the life of Andre
3: almas and zelina vega but that's a kickoff oh that can't match. be right yeah so,
2: uh that was a kickoff match and my lightning
3: pick? fast pick is Almas and vega windy kickoff match
2: all right and i'm going to say rusev day all the way yeah. rusev and lana
3: won't even be there night. Daniel Bryan takes on The Miz. I'm
2: looking forward to this
3: one. No titles on the match, which should really be a, an action-packed match.
2: This has been building up for, for years. Well, wait a minute. There's
3: something going on in this match that nobody realizes. What's that? These are two fairly new fathers. Yes, that's true. That's true. So it's the, the babies are going to be watching this yeah. with the mommies. Yeah. So who do you pick?
2: Uh, I pick The Miz. Uh, I think... Daniel I'm sorry Bryan. to disappoint you. I,
3: I I think Daniel Bryan is going to win. The yes, Miz. I think yes, the Miz yes.
2: is 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 the best thing going
3: today. Okay, well you have your opinion. The Constable, Baron Corbin, Corbin, not Corman, it Corbin. does Corbin. he's going to lose to Finn Bálor. Uh,
2: I agree. I gotta say, not a huge fan of the uh, presentation of Baron Corbin. Uh, or Finn Balor, if I can be honest with you. I, I, I'm not a big fan of how either man is being presented. But
3: who's going to win? Pick up. Uh, Lightning.
2: Lightning? I, I think the people are tuning in to hear what I have to say about Baron Corbin and Finn Balor. But I would have to say Finn Balor.
3: Both of them are tuning in. Okay. Braun Strowman takes on Kevin Owens.
2: With I, the Money in the Bank briefcase on the line.
3: Yes, yes, yes. So, Braun Strowman... Retains the money in the bank briefcase unless Owens finds some way to steal it.
2: I think Kevin Owens is going to win.
3: Okay, well, I think Ron Strowman's going to retain Okay. Uh, Cedric Alexander uh, versus champion. Drew. Yeah, against uh, uh, Drew Gulak. Um, for the. Uh, Gulak has been very underrated. He's a, in he's my a, opinion. a
2: hometown boy here. Yeah, he's, he's from a, around this area. He's
3: a PA kid. Yeah. Uh, I think he's going to win the belt.
2: Uh, I do too, as a matter of fact.
3: All right, so we agree look, we're on starting that to one.
2: agree. We're starting to agree on things. Okay, All right, back to Brothers. lightning here. The Bludgeon Blud- Brothers, champions versus the New Day, for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. What do you think? The
3: Bludgeon Brothers are going to win. They're going to go up one more notch now, and they're going to win
2: by beating the longest reigning tag team champions in WWE yeah, history. Yeah, it's time.
3: It's time right now for the Bludgeons to bludgeon and prove what they do. Shinsuke Nakamura. Who does not speak English, so we can't ever have him on the after chat unless we get a translator. Against the United States, uh, no, uh, against the challenger Jeff Hardy, Nakamura going in as the U.S. champion.
2: Yeah, uh, I think he's going out as U.S. champion. So as do well. I.
3: So do I. Definitely.
2: Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that Matt Hardy might appear.
3: Yeah, he might, but he's not going to delete anything. Nakamura is going to retain the title.
2: All right. Uh, Intercontinental Championship. The champion, Dolph Ziggler, with Drew McIntyre in his corner versus Seth Rollins with Dean Ambrose in his corner. The returning yes. Dean Ambrose. Man, that is a guy who packed on some masks while he and was and gone. And also
3: put on some facial hair.
2: Yeah, I think he had facial hair before. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more A little now. bit more. Cut his hair. Shaved his head. I have my pick. What's your pick?
3: Well, Dolph Ziggler, to me, is slowly becoming... I looked at him last night on... We're this on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I watched Monday Night Raw... And he had a lot of Shawn Michaels in him. Did you know? You know? Yeah, he that? had
2: 2004 Triple H's hair though. Yeah,
3: that's right. Yeah. So he's becoming uh, DX on his own. Let's see what he, if he's going to have a little X-pocking uh, next week <laughs> on him. But I think Dolph Ziggler, uh, with interference from Drew McIntyre, is going to uh, well, retain I'm, I'm, the Well, I'm
2: gonna uh, I'm gonna agree. But I don't think it's going to be interference by Drew McIntyre. I think it's going to be interference by Dean Ambrose.
3: Possibility. I
2: think Dean Ambrose is going to turn Ooh. on Seth Rollins. Wow. I don't trust him one time. See, I
3: never like that term, turn on Seth Rollins. He's going to interfere, and Rollins is going to become screwed there. But turn on Seth Rollins. always. You don't like bad. turn on, but you're okay with no, screwed. What? <laughs> what a play on words. Yeah. We'll get back to that. Well, I guess it all really chat. depends.
2: In either way, if he is turned on, but having a hard time showing it, he can get Blue Chew at Blue Chew.com.
3: So, Carmella, <laughs> Carmella, uh, the SmackDown Women's Champion, will take on uh, Becky Lynch again and Charlotte Flair. And this is for the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship. So, without even losing, without even losing the match, Carmella doesn't have to be pinned or anything. If Becky Lynch pins Charlotte Flair or vice versa, win the title.
2: I am going to go with Becky Lynch.
3: I'm going with Carmella.
2: I think you might be right, but I'm still going to go okay, with Becky Lynch. Okay,
3: that's fine. That's fine. Is James Ell- Ellsworth going to come in?
2: No, I think he was fired again.
3: I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, 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 <laughs> he'll they, be back again. They, to, to, they tend to fire and unfire.
2: Yeah, he'll be back for the world's most awkward wink.
3: They're talking about awkward. That's good. I'm talking about awkward. Thank you. Alexa, Alexa Bliss, the, uh, the Raw Women's Champion. The against, goddess. Yeah. Against... Someone who is becoming the most valuable player in all of sports entertainment. Yeah, Ronda Rousey. This Ronda is, Rousey. Yeah. So barring
2: uh, a run-in from a bat, I think Ronda Rousey has a uh, a good chance. Did you see the video of that?
3: I did. I did. I uh, also there saw there was a her, bat in the arena. I know that. I saw that. I also saw that uh, uh, if she has enough Twizzlers before this. You haven't seen the Twizzler commercial? No, I have not. Of Ronda Rousey? You can check it out on YouTube. There's a Twizzler commercial. It's great. But Ronda Rousey is not going to whip Alexa Bliss with a Twizzler for the belt. She's going to be in UFC form and teach Alexa Bliss a lesson. And I don't know who's going to be able to come along and defeat Ronda Rousey.
2: So you're saying Ronda Rousey is going to beat Alexa Bliss to become champion? Absolutely. Can I be honest with you?
3: No, lie lie
2: uh, to me. Okay, I'll lie to you. Uh, I think you're doing a great job on the show, by the way. Um, But now if I can be honest, uh, Ronda (laughs) Ronda Rousey. These young um, kids. Ronda Ronda Rousey, um, I thought, and I've been thinking this for months now, I thought where we were headed with this was Natalia turning on Ronda Rousey. In this match. Do you go
3: turning on again?
2: Yeah. That's, there you are. Turning
3: against. We turning, use that in the magazines. Turning against. We said that in the magazines. We always put turning against because the yes, publisher once said on to head. me, that guy's not turning on the other guy.
2: I think that publisher needed Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Perhaps. Uh, anyway, so I think that that was the plan. I think Natalya was going to turn on Ronda Rousey and cause Turn against her. Ronda Rousey. Turn, I, it's, no, I... Go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. I think Ronda Rousey was going to lose this match because of interference by Natalya. I don't suspect that's going to happen now. I would assume that Natalya is not going to be at the show. Um, so I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm still going to go with Alexa Bliss. I think she's walking out champion. I don't know how, but I think she's walking out champion. Interference.
3: interference. Yeah. Interference. All right, the champion, SmackDown champion. The WWE WWE champion champion, as seen on SmackDown. Yes. AJ Styles taking on Samoa Joe for the WWE championship. Can
2: you believe it? I mean, we're going to pause in the lightning round for a second because this is worth talking about. Watching these guys compete in Ring of Honor, watching these guys compete in TNA for all those years, if while you were watching them, even headlining TNA, and had you said, wow, in 2018, they're going to main event SummerSlam for the WWE Championship. Yeah. You would have said, yeah, that's, I think that ship has sailed for these guys. That's not going to happen. At least that's what I would have said.
3: They're in the WWE machine, and this is what has helped bring them. I
2: I am so excited to see them on, on this main stage of SummerSlam, uh, I guess the number two show of the year for the yeah. WWE. Yeah. Uh, I, I am expecting this to be a really good match. Oh,
3: knockdown, dragout match. Uh, we, we've seen so many matches of the two of them against each other, but bottom line, it is finally Samoa Joe's time. I agree. AJ Styles, ex champion.
2: I think Samoa Joe is going to become WWE champion.
3: All right, so now. Here we
2: go. Roman the
3: big one. Reigns, the challenger for the Universal Championship held by. Barack Lesnar and that. Don't pull something. That, that. That. So rude what Paul Heyman did to Roman Reigns on Monday night. The man's before. a genius. I agree. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. Here's what I think is going to happen.
2: Yeah. Okay.
3: Are you ready for this? I'm as ready as I, I'll ever be. People think, oh, after tuned in to everything that's going on, it's not Paul Barrow. No. It's just a Listen. voice of a, a fan in my head. Oh, after he's got the bottom line, he knows from (laughs) WWE what's going on. So here's what's going to happen. I think Roman Reigns is going to beat the crap out of Brock Lesnar. But Brock Lesnar is going to retain the title. And he's going to be laying there practically dead. And here comes Braun Strowman.
2: I agree. If Braun Strowman stays champion...
3: uh, Not champion, Money Money in the the Bank 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 holder. holder.
2: Um, I agree almost. I don't think Brock Lesnar is going to beat Roman Reigns. I think you're going to see the same thing that you saw at WrestleMania when Seth Rollins cashed in. And I think Braun Strowman could come in and beat Roman Reigns.
3: Okay, there you have it. Our lightning fast SummerSlam preview.
2: So, Bill, you have a trip coming up in November. You're going to England. Yes,
3: I'm going to be a guest at a kayfabe events tour.
2: Oh, that should be really exciting now that you've offended everybody with that
3: accent. Oh, thank you very much. Everybody said it sounds like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. (laughs) But uh, I've been to uh, the United Kingdom many times. I absolutely adore the country, the fans. And my showbiz heroes growing up were all from England. Anthony Newley. Look it up. Tommy Steele. And a guy named Roy Castle. But uh, I want to tell you about an event that's coming up September 1st. Are you ready? I'm and ready. Should I use my cheesy British accent? Uh, I wouldn't. Okay, so I'll do it. Kayfabe Events, which is one of our terrific sponsors, are delighted to bring to Worthing in the UK an evening with former NWATNA World Heavyweight Champion, the Monster Abyss, and with him will be his brother, Joseph Park. Oh, they Both they, they sprung him. for two tickets. Yeah, yeah, wow. it's amazing. So uh, handling uh, the interview uh, will be, the Q&A will be uh, Dean A.S., and he's he's known all over England as an uh, interviewer, and he's been in the wrestling business. Hey, for, yes. yes, I know him. Yeah, hey, yes, and uh, the Q&A will be orchestrated by the king of strong and stable style, Spike Trivet. now that's not all special guest on this show on september 1st coming to worthing in the united kingdom the 2017 czw combat zone wrestling tournament of death winner and longest ever reigning progress world champion you know who i'm talking about josh the king of goths yeah jimmy havoc yes he will be there too tickets are available exclusively at com, And please follow them on Twitter. Twitter. Like oh I said that. Follow them on Twitter at Events. All right. So that, again, is in Worthing in the United Kingdom, September 1st. Joshua, all up to you now.
2: All right. Well, thank you, Bill. Uh, yeah, that sounds like it's going to be a really awesome event. Yeah. Um, Kayfabe. No, I won't say anything. No, no, Kayfabe events. Oh, well, there yes. you go.
3: Okay.
2: Uh, you know what I think it's time for? What? Ask Apter. All right. We asked you to ask some questions. Hashtag ask after, And you guys delivered. So we're going to read off a few well, of these let me, questions. Let me sit here. down. Okay. I'm, Get comfortable.
3: I'm, comfortable. I'm, Relax. All right. I'm totally relaxed. And we had a lot of, how would people find to ask me questions on future episodes here?
2: Well, you would, first of all, listen to this podcast. Yes. yes. Uh, and then you would go on Twitter. Yes. Yeah, that was pretty high-pitched right yeah, there. Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what happened there. And hashtag... You would go to, would go to Twitter, right. uh, hashtag AskAPTER. Uh, you can find us at the APTER chat. And while we're doing this, before we even get into AskAPTER, I think this is a great opportunity to say, Bill, where can they find you on Twitter?
3: Well, they can find me at APTER1Wrestling or at the APTER chat. Yes,
2: and they can find me at so says sure enough that's on facebook and on twitter and you can find the after
3: chat facebook.com slash the after chat now wait a minute there are people who are not on twitter so if they want to ask a question for ask after tell them where they can email us
2: they can email us at the after at gmail.com that's where they can send their emails and just put in the subject hashtag ask
3: after if you have something personal you'd like to uh Take up with me. Hey now, be at onewrestling.com It's right, my, my personal. It's my personal email address. So I don't the, tell uh, that to everybody. Yeah,
2: this isn't nobody. Nobody needs your personal.
3: You, you never is, know. There, there are people out there who ask me for advice. This,
2: this is when people are going to stop listening now? I,
3: I don't, don't think, think so. When do well, we, we go to ask after. All
2: right, ask after. Don't worry, Bill. We'll cut that. Uh, ask after. We got some questions. Uh, first one coming from Jeff Robinson. Willie Apter, do you have a favorite story that you wrote over the years? Also, do you have a favorite PWI edition? I have three. The Great American Bash cover with Dusty and the Big Gold, PWI 10-year, and Flair in the middle of the ring in Japan with the trophies. Bill?
3: So, unfortunately, the the favorite story I ever wrote, and uh, this was way, way back in the 80s, was when uh, young David Vinerick died. I never poured my heart into a story like I did um, regarding his death. It was one of the saddest moments uh, in the history of the business, and he and his family were personal friends of mine. So I look back at that. I read the story every once in a while, and it brings me back to the Uh, passion and love I had for David. We were very close. And uh, that whole period of time that took me back to the Parade of Champions when Kerry Von Erich defeated Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, I think that was the finest story I ever wrote, Josh. My favorite PWI cover Mm -hmm. was the cartoon of Hulk Hogan. Really? Yeah, oh, I loved it. That was my favorite PWI cover. The second one was the horror shot of the Road Warriors with the red background. Craig Peters and I took the portable studio to Atlanta, Georgia at the TBS studios uh, that Ted Turner, when he was running uh, uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling, mm-hmm. and Craig lay down on the floor with this light going underneath the Road Warriors, and I took the photo, and it had horror lighting. Best set of pictures I think I ever took. How awesome is that? Uh, yeah.
2: Uh, or another question comes to us from uh, Johnny Long. Hey, Bill, everyone raves about the star system for matches. For Hulk Hogan, what do you feel was his best or highest rated match?
3: It doesn't matter what it was against The Rock.
2: WrestleMania 18? Yeah,
3: I just love that match with Hogan and The Rock. To me, that was. The, it was the, magic. Cra- the crowd turned against the, the rock. rock yeah and it was just to me even though it was Hollywood Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. it was the finest moment that,
2: that was lightning in a bottle yeah, that match yeah, that moment yeah. um, was yeah. really something special yeah. uh, what would you say I mean it, it's talking about the, the, the star system now you're famous in every picture anyone will ever find you you're pointing yes so uh, if you had to give how many uh, after points would you give that
3: match on a scale of what one to five I'd give it a five Okay. Yeah, five being the highest. Right, oh, unless absolutely. it's in the Tokyo Dome. But if we're going back to the uh, Hulkamaniac days, mm-hmm. brother, um, probably his—oh, uh, let me think. Well, if the most exciting match was the, the night he beat the Iron Sheik, yeah. which was amazing. So that would be uh, that would be in terms of excitement and uh, matchability. Mm-hmm. created a new word there. That would be the match. Is that what you did? However, I saw him— Against Antonio Inoki, and he brought this up. Yeah. IWGP. I saw him against Antonio Inoki at another point in Japan, and that was the match where I saw that Hulk Hogan uh, could wrestle. Yeah. He wasn't just, you know, the punches, the leg drop, uh, the hulking up. He showed that Hiro Matsuda, his trainer, taught him how to wrestle, and when he wrestled in Japan, that's what he did. Sarah M. Chambers. A lady. asks us a question. Hi, Sarah.
2: In all your years of following wrestling, what has been your scariest moment for either yourself or a wrestler?
3: The night in Atlanta, Georgia, when I was shooting pictures of a match with Abdullah the Butcher. And this is in my book, by the way. Is wrestling fixed? I didn't know it was broken. On sale everywhere. But... Afterchat.com. I was, at, um, I was at ringside shooting pictures with my Nikon uh, that had film in it. Google it if you don't know what that <laughs> means. And uh, as I was shooting pictures, Abdullah got kicked out of the ring by someone. I don't remember who it was. And he started to walk around me. And this guy's, you know close to 400 pounds and very scary looking. He was all bloody and he had a, a plastic knife in his hand there. And he grabbed me. Pulled what hair I had back then. I had a lot of Elvis hair back then. And he started punching me in the face. And it was the most terrifying moment of my career.
2: So he's responsible
3: for the comb over. Um, he's one of them. Ripped all that hair Yeah, right Bull out. Curry did God, some that's of that ha- That is horrifying. I'm yeah, no, Bull Glad Curry that did some of that me. hair. Uh, the Sheik grabbed some of my hair. So yeah, oh. that's where it went. Wrestling <laughs> is responsible for my comb over. Headline. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah.
2: Uh this next one I'm going to I'm going to butcher your name. Adam Demaui maybe? I don't know. Uh what was Bill's well, Spell that last name. Uh D lowercase E uppercase M O U Y. A Maui. No, it's yes. D- Demaui.
3: That's what I just said. Demaui.
2: I thought you said A-Maui.
3: I may have. Go right ahead.
2: What was Bill's favorite Hogan theme? Real American in the WWF or American Made?
3: WCNU. No question, real American. Yeah, yeah. I am a real American. Oh, I it's still mm-hmm. today. I that I, just resonates. I love it.
2: That that the way it kicks off is just. It's the whole uh, thing. It's just
3: yeah. it. It brings excitement. Yep. It brings sports entertainment. Yeah. It brings music.
2: Makes me think of uh, Mike Rotunda and, and Barry Windham. You know, it was originally their music.
3: Uh, actually, I did not know that.
2: Yeah, it was their music for a yeah. short amount of time. Yeah. And Hulk Hogan had some other uh, very 80s sounding music. Uh, it was on one of the wrestling albums.
3: Yeah, no. Oh, Hulk that's, Hogan right. Had that, that's right. And then he now took re- over Real Now American. that you brought that up, yep. I remember that. Yeah, see. Good, good, good real. catch, really. Oh, thank you. So says Shernoff.
2: Sure yeah. Uh, wrestling 24 7 asks Bill, what would you say was Hulk's? greatest match now well, you kind of answered that already yeah, so the, the matching, for that. to
3: me was the the match against uh against the rock no it was the finger um uh, the finger the, poke doom yeah, with yes, Ke- kevin, Nash. kevin Nash. That, that was it was a, an instant classic
2: it, uh travis peters asked do you think the nwo angle ran on too long I think it should have died at Starcade 97 when Sting beat Hogan. When do you think it should have ended?
3: I think I agree because it started watering down and no knock to like Scott Norton and Virgil and all these hundreds of other people who came into the ring with the NWO shirt. But yeah, mm-hmm. it, it should have stopped or maybe just uh, a bunch of guys should have been thrown out and they revamped the NWO a little bit.
2: I thought this question was, was really good, uh, and it got me thinking. And I was thinking, man, had that ended, uh, had Hulk Hogan kind of disappeared for a little while, the NWO, maybe they were off TV for just a bit, and then they kind of started peppering them back in, but not really the NWO anymore. You could have jumped back to the NWO
3: even six months later. I don't know later. if that would have worked. Huh? It, it would have been a ripoff of their own NWO. It was a great time. In the business. They, yeah, I mean, it was, all good things it have so to come new, to an end. It's so unique. Don't, you know, it, it's like fighters that keep winning and winning and then they get old mm-hmm. and uh, uh, they take that last fight. Like uh, Ali and Larry Holmes. Ali never should have taken that match. So you can't bring that back and make it magic again as much as you try. Very true. Very true. We're talking about the NWO. We've heard in the wind, and if you go to Hulk Hogan's. Uh, website, hogan.com mm-hmm. that there's something going on with an NWO reunion at yeah. Hogan's Beach Shop.
2: Yeah. Keep your eyes out for that. Yeah. Uh, there's also going to be an NWO reunion of sorts Starcast. at StarCast. Yes, yes. Uh, right. X-Pac, one, two, 3 60 degrees of the NWO. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and X-Pac will be there. You, you
3: know what my favorite part of the NWO was? What? The music. Loved it. till now my son Brandon and I used to love putting lyrics to it we do this we do this we go and then it's Hulk Hogan and then it's got and (laughs) And we get louder with each guy
2: oh that's wonderful (laughs) we're gonna have to have you actually record I think we're gonna try and have you record that to uh to the actual background track of the oh, end I of your music. I think that'd be great, yeah. Let's see if we can throw something like that together. Um, but no, they will be at, at StarCast, and so will we. I think this is a perfect time to give a little plug for StarCast. Yes,
3: I will be uh, hosting two panels at this point, uh, remembering Andy Kaufman, mm-hmm. and I'll be with Dutch Mantell and uh, Jerry the King Lawler, and then uh, remembering the Empty Arena match with Terry Funk and Jerry the King Lawler, that infamous match that took place in front of no one in Memphis, Tennessee.
2: See, I don't understand why that's such a big deal, because the majority of the matches in my
3: career were empty arena matches. Well, that goes to show you your—never mind, I don't <laughs> want to do that. <laughs> um, Terry Funk told me after, if you're hosting this damn thing, you better get some security guards in there, because I'm going to kick Jerry Lawler's ass. They still don't like each other, by the way.
2: Well, I'm glad you're in the middle of it and not me, but I will be at StarCast. Uh, I am officially on their website, yeah, which is yeah, super cool yeah, for me yeah. because at the end of the day, yeah, I spent some time. I was a wrestler. I was down in OVW, but I am a wrestling fan. I'm a lifelong wrestling fan. That's that's all I am. Now I'm, a, I guess, a podcaster.
3: Yeah. Well, um, you're now the host of the After Chat. Yeah,
2: but, but I'm a wrestling fan. And so for me to scroll down and see just a couple under Arn Anderson... To see my picture on there uh, is absolutely crazy yeah, to no, me. That's great,
3: congratulations. Thank you.
2: I, I mean, And I mean that sincerely. That was, that was really awesome of them to do that. Uh, I will be there going around interviewing uh, tons of the legends that are there. For uh,
3: OneWrestling.com.
2: And the after chat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be there doing that. And um, so yeah, come on over and say hello. I'd love to meet uh, any of, of our fans.
3: And I'll be, of course I will be, wonderful Willie will be everywhere. By the way, you have congratulations in order?
2: I do. Uh, we do. Here yes, are the After not, Chat. Yes, not only will we be at StarCast, but you and I will both be all in, and I'm going to be all in in boxed, in boxed, in box suite You're going to be boxed in a I'm suite? I'm going to be boxed in in a
3: suite. It's a wrestling show, not a boxing show.
2: Well, there you go. But I'm going to be in there, and I'm really excited because uh, one of our our, our favorite After Chatters, Jonathan Meisingberg. I, I, I That can't be right. M- Misenberg. We're going to go with that. Well, you know what, Jonathan? You can tell me in person how to say your last name because Jonathan won the all-in ticket giveaway that yeah. the After Chat yeah. did. Yeah. So Jonathan and a guest will be joining me in a box suite to watch All In. I'm super excited about that. And Jonathan, not only I can't do they get the you. box
3: seat, but what else do they get? They also get... What's their consolation prize? After Chat t-shirts
2: yeah yeah so uh you know we'll we'll get together with him and i think we're going to be filming that um meeting him giving him the tickets at starcast uh we're really excited about that um and thank you everybody who who uh who followed us on twitter shared our page to to try and uh, get us try to get those tickets but uh but ho- who hung around afterwards hey you didn't win the tickets yeah. but you hung around but you know see what? what we had to do there's going
3: to be more contests here there are in the after chat for tickets books, and After Chat t-shirts. So Josh, this has been a great premiere episode. Next week, part two of the Hulk Hogan amazing interview.
2: I can't wait. And uh, we're really excited. Again, thank you guys so much for being here, for joining us on the After Chat. Again, you can find us on Twitter at the After Chat. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the After Chat. Join us on over at theafterchat.com. And uh, find Bill at After One Wrestling. Is that right? No,
3: that's no, that's not. Uh, what are, are you? For <laughs> the hell, do I find what, you on what, Twitter. What, what. <laughs> yes, at After One. At Wrestling. After One Wrestling, I have so fi- much social media. And find me;
2: he's a very popular guy. And find me at So Says Shernoff. I'm Josh Shernoff. He is the legendary Bill and After. And by the
3: way, you can also follow me at bafteratonewrestling dot com. Yes. Yes. Uh, no, that's, no that's they can't follow you. That's your email. I they know. can send you emails. No, but they can follow me at... Guys, uh, please just... He's very you know, where, where lonely. Send we, him these yeah. emails,
2: okay? <laughs> he's been begging for them.
3: Uh, but you can follow me at After One Wrestling as well. Uh, that's my one wrestling.com Twitter account. You're home and there's, away from home. There's, there's only one thing left for us to tell these people. Go for it. We'll see you... At the
1: matches. Thanks, guys. And girls.